whole scientific record. And so we're going to talk about things like scientific studies, what they actually show, what they don't actually show, and there's going to be a level of kind of sophistication to that stuff. But hopefully, you know, it's like the, the idea right. here is to explain to folks all of the like how, how the sausage is made when it comes to knowledge. Welcome to the very first and introductory episode of Feed Your Dog Facts podcast. I'm your producer and host, Jennifer Wolanik, and I have alongside of me, Dan. Hi, Dan. Hello, I'm Dan Shuloff. I'm, uh, we're, this is our dog podcast. I'm on the dog podcast because I'm a professional dog person. I have written a book. I have founded a nonprofit. I'm the CEO of a company and I do a bunch of stuff in the, in the dog world. Yes, you do. And we will definitely get into that because it's just such good background to kind of understand some fascinating facts. <laughs> We're all about the facts here. So a quick backstory, my elevator pitch is I have Maddie. So if you're watching the video, this is Miss Maddie. So I and I'll get here. my dogs. I have my dogs yeah. here in my home <laughs> studio right now, but mine are 10 times as big as Maddie. And so it's going to be hard to get them on camera. We're going to save it for the end because it's probably going to mess up the camera when I try to get these two St. Bernards into the, <laughs> into the frame yeah, at the same if, time. If you're going to remember anything about this episode, I have lap dogs. Dan does not have lap dogs. No, <laughs> so they think they are lap dogs. I have nine pound dogs. Dan has big St. Bernards. So anyway, but Miss Maddie is a diabetic and we have been struggling with her diabetes for a year, just trying all of the things, not getting it under control. And it wasn't until I started really, really diving into all the Googling that I could do to help my little girl. And I came across Dan and Dan has this fascinating book and all of these facts. And uh, anyway, was just really assembling all the science that I dove head first. I really understand how I could help my little girl. And here we are because where I saw alignment is I wanted to produce a podcast and I found such a fit of let's get this information out there and really kind of get Dan on this marketing channel and really making something of this. And Feed Your Dog Facts was born. Here we are a few yeah. months later after talking. I'm so yeah. excited to get this going. So Dan. So am I. I'm thrilled. <laughs> it's like, uh, so, you know, I, uh, so my book is called Dogs, Dog Food, and Dogma, <clears throat> and I wrote it, um, you know, over a four-year period, um, gosh, I guess starting about 10 years ago now. It was published in 2016, and basically what it is is my attempt to understand why so many dogs in the Western world suffer from common chronic diseases that seem to have... Um, in the scientific record, reasonably straightforward explanations that for some reason are just not taking hold among pet owners and among the veterinary community. Um, and so in the course of writing that book, it's like, it's kind of got two aspects. You're familiar with it. It's like, there's a, a big chunk of it that's just like, this study says this, and this study says that, and it just walks through the science around specific issues. And then there's this other chunk, the more interesting chunk, which is like, why as a cultural like social matter why doesn't the the pet owning public like embrace all this stuff these are the simple explanations that have all the evidence behind them 
why isn't this the like mainstream explanation for a phenomenon like obesity, for instance? And that just became like a huge rabbit hole that took years of me just like going into basically the misinformation that makes up the vast majority of uh, the pet food industry and makes life so hard for pet owners, like trying to sift through like the very process you've gone through with Maddie that brought us together is something I've experienced myself. And it's something I've heard from countless people about at this point, which is just like, I don't know what to trust this whole, it's like the wild west of information where there's just everybody out there throwing different stuff at me. I know enough to know not to believe everything I hear. These things don't feel right. I know my vet is exposed to certain ideas and has certain incentives, but I don't know how to weigh it all. And um, it's never like the vast majority of the work I've done has been writing stuff, writing long form stuff in a professional right. setting primarily, right? At, but it's really good info for, for consumers, for pet owners. And so this type of medium, yeah, like you said, what, as soon as you approached me about it, I was like, oh, okay, we could really make headway just talking to people about some of these issues of science and regulation and the weird overlap between the pet food industry on the one hand and the veterinary community on the other and just all this, there's so much to talk about. And make it in a very approachable and digestible way, right? So a Well, lot I of guess that's your job. Like that's your <laughs> job. My I, I can I my what I'm good at is writing in a professional setting right. kind of and like writing the long form stuff that goes in the journal. Yeah. And so if you can help me talk <laughs> to in a way that people understand, that would be a, a big win for us. Right. Yeah. I mean, hey, you're the at least the professor level of all of this. Like you said, you spent years of it. And when I stumbled across it, all the information that you were putting out there to really help my dog and it you know, a lot of it that I did implement was helping. I just knew I was like, I have to make this in a way that people that are searching for this information can tune in and say, oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay, this makes sense. So yeah, we'll make this in a very way of we'll present. So let's talk about some of the stuff we're going to be presenting. What are the what's kind of the content? What let's talk about yeah. the of that? Well, um, so okay. I, the way that we've discussed things so far is that there are kind of three sub-series that we think would make for good content that's stuff that's interesting for individual uh, pet owners. Right. Um, the first one is probably the, the one where you got to do the most heavy lifting, which is where we look at a common pet nutritional science issue and try to explain in a way that most pet owners can grab onto um, what uh, evidence supports the kind of mainstream position that you're likely to hear from your vet or somebody else, a self-professed expert and the actual scientific record. And so we're gonna talk about things like scientific studies, what they actually show, what they don't actually show. And there's gonna be a level of kind of sophistication to that stuff. But hopefully, you know, it's like the, the idea right. here is to explain to folks all the, the like how, how the sausage is made when it comes to, um, you know, uh, uh, knowledge, like professional level knowledge. And a really good example is the case that you yourself have been through which is the one of like in the US right now, 
the first line of care mainstream veterinary treatment for a dog with diabetes like yours is to feed a 40%-ish carbohydrate prescription-only uh, pet food. There's a you know a, a type of food, I'm sure we'll talk about it plenty of times on this show, that's only available by a prescription. It is by far the most common course of care that veterinarians recommend when a new dog comes in with diabetes. And it's 40% digestible carbohydrate, which if you know anything about metabolism or have been exposed to things like diabetes, either with, with yourself and your relatives or with a pet, you know that like reducing, eliminating, minimizing carbohydrate intake is the fundamental building block of treating diabetes. Diabetes is an inability to safely process carbohydrate, basically. It's like if you, if you have diabetes, you can't do that well. So of course you wanna eliminate it as much as possible. And yet, and yet, the, co the course of care for the smartest animal science professionals, uh, you know, supposedly in our country is to feed the animal 40% carbohydrate. And so, it, you know, explaining why that doesn't have an evidentiary basis and why the evidence suggests that it's a different course of care is likely to get you better results is an example of the kind of thing we're going to be doing on the, at least like one subseries of the show. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, whether it be that topic or other topics open to debate feedback, this certainly is a very totally. two-way communication street that we are paving for pet parents, for veterinarians, for the scientific community, for the everyday person. We'll have certain, you know, communication channels open. We'll always have it in the show notes. Here's how to reach out to us. Certainly, if we want to, if there's certain topics you want us to focus on, if you want to bring an argument to some facts that you've presented or we've discussed, certainly we want this to be a different kind of podcast. It's not we're up here presenting on a stage, you walk away, we walk away our separate ways and until you tune into the next one. So it is that's that's such a good point. That is like one of the the, the biggest flaws in any like body of information is if the folks who are explaining it, who have the kind of credibility to explain what they view the like um, the key information to be, don't expose themselves to fair-minded, open discussion about stuff. If it's always one-way traffic, that is a recipe for disaster. And we are trying everything we can do to not be that. And podcasts that I like best. I mean, the idea is not that you could just call up in any month. These are things that have to be recorded, but right. it's, we live in an age where you can get your points in front of us. And some of these shows will be devoted to us addressing in a professional style, counter arguments to the, the points that we advocate for. That's an essential part of this. So if you're listening to this and you say something to the effect of, I like the idea, I like the spirit that these people are bringing to it, but I think that these, they're wrong about uh, everything that they've been talking about. Great, that is great because we welcome the feedback yeah. that you can bring to the table and we can advance. I mean, I believe in the stuff that I believe in because I've had plenty of these kinds of discussions. And um, as long as nobody else is afraid of uh, professional, non-emotional, non-childish, but, but like even-handed and fair discussion around specific issues, then everybody wins, the listener particularly. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a really good point. It's we're trying to kind of break the stigma within this pet nutrition industry where 
there are facts and figures and science out there. We're breaking it down, making it very digestible for you. That That's going to be my primary role of interpreting and helping ask questions. Dan will always be presenting this very black and white scientific of record. And then we'll, we'll kind of see where this evolves. We're open to evolution, I think, too, for this as well. And I want to circle back to you real quick. We talked about your you know, subject matter expertise, but let's talk a little bit about your background, your expertise. Lawyer, you were a lawyer. Yeah, at one I point. got a weird, I got a weird <laughs> list. Uh, yeah, I'm a lawyer and I worked as a practicing um, intellectual property attorney for uh, the better part of a decade. Um, I left that career to devote myself to writing the book full time. I was like trying to do it as a side thing and it just became too big a project, basically. There's just like the rabbit hole goes so deep and to do justice to the issue is just like became a full-time thing. And then um, basically like the main points that I tr that I feel like were the, like the core theses in the book are um, kind of two things. One is dietary carbohydrate is way worse for your pet than the veterinary community um, has been taught and is likely telling you. And then two, the kind of cultural bit I referred to before, two, the reason why the public, the veterinary community doesn't believe that carbohydrate is so bad for their dogs, despite the existence of all of this evidence, is because they, the, they've kind of been, um, what information they've been exposed to in the form of formal schooling and you know professional education um, is heavily influenced by pet food companies that have a very deep vested interest in preserving the reputation of the dietary carbohydrate. So anyway, I published that book in 2016, making those two points primarily. And if you like those points, if you yourself felt, felt, read the book, felt persuaded, or came to those beliefs on your own, you were, and you were a dog owner, you didn't have great options as of 2016 because most pet food products are like full of carbohydrate. So I basically founded a company to address the problem that I explained uh, that ultimately came to in the book, which is keto natural pet foods. And we make low carbohydrate kibble products. And so, yeah, I guess what, what that means at the end of the day is I've got a lot of different hats. I did all this like science research, journalistic work in the course of writing the book. I do have experience as an attorney. And so I, I know the like regulatory and legal side of the pet food world really well. And then I'm an executive of a pet food company and we're trying to, you know, I hate this word, but disrupt the pet food industry in some ways. And through like that professional experience, I understand a lot about the nuances of the industry. And so those three things layered together, I feel like give us a really unique perspective and allow us to do really cool things over the course of the show. I'll talk more. I mean, this series, I'll talk more about some of the stuff I've you know, done over the past five years in pet food world, but lawsuits and regulatory work and stuff with journals and studies and like all that. There's just a bunch of different stuff. And um, I hope it's as interesting to other people as it is. Right. <laughs> we'll yeah, it is, it is exciting. I mean, it seems like you always have something going on in your world of yeah, this disruption or, or really just trying to reveal things and trying to bring things to the forefront of, yeah. please, you know, please look into this. But yeah, I, I think we're, I'm very excited about the different categories that we oh, yeah, I think yeah, are yeah. starting with. 
of these episodes will kind of rotate through. Not to say they will always follow, you know, this exact formula. We're open to interviews, things like that. But let's kind of dive into them. I know, yeah, we have like these three core pillars of the episodes. Okay, so one is the science, nutritional science topics. So like how much protein should I feed my dog? Or like why does, why do people say the carbohydrate makes dogs fat? Or like what does, should I feed a puppy? What makes a puppy food? Uh, Is that a real thing or not? Um, And that's category one. Category two is, uh, is what I guess we're calling label review or like label BS if we're going to be really risque. But the idea is, the pro- let's say it this way. The problem is pet food is an underregulated industry. And so, so much of the stuff that you see on the label of different pet food brands or on their website or in their marketing materials is nonsense. And you can typically, if I try to put myself back in the, where I was before I started even working on my book, you can smell that it's nonsense, but it's hard to tease out. Well, wait, what are they required to say? What does this really mean legally? What about this is true? What is false? What's misleading? we're going to explain that stuff. And so every time we do one of those shows, we're going to pick a specific brand and we encourage folks to tell us what brands they want to hear us do. Look at its label and its website and its marketing materials. And we're going to explain things like what do these actually, these claims that are being made, what do they really mean? What do they not mean? What are are these ingredients that I don't know much about? You know, I can tell you all about that stuff because I make pet food myself. And um, yeah, review the label basically. Why is there a wolf on this bag? Is, does that mean that it's the same as that kind of stuff? What does it mean? Yeah, just really breaking it down the front and the back of the packages because that's a very different dichotomy too. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Exactly. And um, the third one is third more, one's most risque. That's no, if, if, no, the, if using the language of BS is right? pushing it a little bit, <laughs> then the third one is probably the one that's going to get us uh yelled at and what it is the the working title is more vets smoke camels which is a reference to a um an ad campaign from the first half of the 20th century which was the had the tagline more doctors smoke camels it was a camel cigarette campaign that was based all around testimony from practicing doctors saying that we we view camel cigarettes as the as the healthiest ones. And the reason that I think it's an apt name for this segment of the podcast is this segment of the podcast is focused on places in which the veterinary community as a whole or as little sectors of it is being either misled or in you know acting complicitly in a way that's not putting pets first or uh, is being undereducated about something they're, you know, either intentionally or unintentionally doing something where the pet owning public and the animals that we all are taking care of are not the priority. And the reason that the like cigarettes is a good example is because when you go back and you look at like, there's been a lot of books that have been written about the histories of cigarettes in the United States, this period of time, it's not like there were all these like evil doctors who like were, were, knew that cigarettes give you cancer and yet were uh, doing this anyway because they just didn't care about people. It's like, no, that's not what was going on. Yeah, it wasn't malicious intent. Not malicious, exactly. It was just 
in, with the benefit of hindsight, in, with 70, 80 years of scientific research after, I mean, it was 30 years before, be, between the time this was an ad campaign and the time the Surgeon General was coming out and saying things like smoking causes lung cancer. And that period of time, with the benefit of that much hindsight, you look back at it and you go, oh my God, how could it, what a miscarriage of science to have doctors saying smoke cigarettes. And it really is, in my view, that kind of situation in the veterinary community these days when it comes to matters of nutrition. I believe that in 30, 40 years, we're gonna look back at the things that vets are recommending today and not just say, oh, it turns out that was wrong, but be like, oh, that was so wrong. Oh, so much bad came out of that. And um, so like, you know, I do expect that we're gonna get all kinds of like, um, lively pushback around that. And I uh, look forward to it in a way, anything that comes in that is professional in tone and that is based on science as opposed to speculation will get addressed on this show, either in comments or in the show itself. That's our, that's, that's a promise that I've held throughout my career. Yeah, everything that we will present in each, epi each episode is very scientific in nature, very black and white. It pulls from facts, it pulls from, you know, figures, all of that in terms of we're not really putting professional or personal opinion in any of this. We are your anytime it's in here, it will be called out really clearly as this is a right. value judgment that I hold or this is my interpretation of the incomplete evidence around something. Right. But typically, what we're talking about is really clear delineation between reporting facts on the one hand, including what studies say and interpreting the record or uh, offering our own value judgments and opinions about things on the other hand. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So we will, publishing schedule is we're shooting for every two weeks to get an episode out, yep. out in the universe. Two and a month. Yeah, so twice a month, you'll be able to tune in to some Feed Your Facts, a Feed Your Dog Facts <laughs> podcast. See, I'm trying to still get it off my tongue of trying to like, I was like, we should just use the acronym, but maybe, it, maybe we will have to see how it evolves <laughs> right. in one. I mean, we're going to have the same ridiculous hindsight experience ourselves if we're remotely right. successful with this, right? Where we're going to look back on this in two years ago. Oh my God, we were so bad at this when we first started. <laughs> I hope we get better. But I mean, yeah, you know, those are the three like yeah. regular rotational type episodes that we're going to aim to do. I do expect that we'll, I, I've met a lot of folks both, you know, the kinds of folks who do professional research science, animal science PhD or animal nutrition PhDs, practicing veterinarians, evolutionary biologists, the folks at the Yellowstone Wolf Project. There are just like a bunch of people that I've met throughout my career who have interesting perspectives and very sophisticated perspectives on stuff that's relevant to pet ownership. People from the behavior communities, like yeah. my, my partner is a really high level behaviorist. And so, uh, yeah, there's a bunch of cool stuff that we'll be able to talk about. Hopefully we can do a bunch of interviews. Hopefully we can bring a bunch of dogs on the show. Right. Although it's hard and you're about to see how hard it could be trying to get anybody that's watching the video version of this about to see how hard it is to get two St. Bernards in the frame at the same time. Yes. Well, it's only fair. So I showed off my nine pound little nugget. So let's see. <laughs> All right. Is there anything else that you want to cover in this no. intro episode before I start getting wild with the camera? Right. <laughs> no, we really hit all of the all of the bullet points Come here, and all the framework. Come here. 
So you'll see here shortly. All right, so this is the first one. Nash, come here. You might be able to see Justin's head. Come here. Come here. So this is your original Yeah, so I have two St. Bernards. They're both dudes. One is an adult. That's this one. Oh, my God. He's so close to the camera. Maybe I could just move the camera. That's it. That's Nash. So Nash is 10 years old. Uh, he is a monster. And he's... I, he was the first St. Bernard that I've ever had. He's the second, um, yeah, I grew up with dogs, but he's the second, like, my dog that I've ever gotten. And um, as the adult, how much does he weigh? He weighs about 140 pounds. You know, wow. I adopted him from a family that needed to give him up as an adult. And, you know, I adopted him something like six years ago. And, um, you know, the family that was giving him up, for reasons I didn't really, like, pry into, honestly uh hadn't written a book about dog obesity like i had and so they weren't as hip to that subject and the the, the link between obesity and health or obesity and longevity and so he was kind of a fat boy when i got him but we took the weight off him really quickly and he's basically 140 pounds wow. and he's he arguably a linebacker a when you got him <laughs> Yeah, he was just like pear shaped, and now he's like hour. He's got the hourglass shape. Saint Bernards, I'm telling you, it's just insane how muscular they are. You don't think of them as being as no. well muscled as a pit bull because the coats can be longer. But like, I can remember like holding his shoulders the first time. I was like, oh man, the front of these dogs is so strong. And so yeah, he's a real beast. He he's slowing down. He's ten years old, which is quite old for them. But sure. he's still still plenty active. He still goes on his two mile daily walk and all that stuff. Oh, what a good boy! And he's a good boy. A and then we have another. Boy. Yes, we have a puppy. Uh, which <laughs> Wayne, come here, Wayney, come on, Wayne, come here, come here, bud. All right, let's see if we can do this. Wayne, come here. It's funny. We all have our dog voices of like. <laughs> Wayne, say hello. That's him. He's and Wayne a, is how old now? Wayne is six months old. Six months. Six months, wow. and I weighed him yesterday, and he is north of 100 pounds already. Wow. That is he, amazing. It's insane because he's so lean. It's like, you know, obviously it's an important thing to me, but you can see, it's like, you can see he's got, he's the short-haired, or excuse me, smooth-coated variety of St. Okay. Bernard, which is like, Nash is what they call a rough-coated St. Bernard. He's more coat and so it's harder to see the musculature it's oh, under coat okay. but with wayne you can see it really well and he's like just like a steak he's just such a steak already and um yeah he's a good boy it's a lot of fun having a puppy again in the house he's That's huge awesome. for i mean a six month puppy it's 100 pounds is insane but yeah it's a lot of fun right like literally a human in your house yeah, yeah. weight wise that's amazing well yeah i mean all that to be said we're both very passionate dog parents to our dogs and interesting yeah i have two seniors you have a senior oh yeah pretty much a senior 10 years old yeah like that's i mean that's up it's there. well older than the average lifespan of the breed yeah well older and and a puppy so you kind of have opposite ends of the spectrum yeah. i'm sure yeah. they balance each other out but yeah hopefully you'll get to see a little bit more of our dogs and a little bit more of our backstories throughout these episodes too but we really are here to present facts we're very passionate about our dog's health and making and really extending their life right like who doesn't want a few more years with your dog so yeah there's stuff yeah. you can do there's stuff that the <laughs> science says tends to help 
yeah, it's so not immaterial. Just getting this project started, we really do hope that you become a true listener of Feed Your Dog Facts podcast. We really want this to be uh, a show that you tune into, that you're looking forward to the next podcast. Hopefully we'll get a rhythm going. And so this intro episode was to get to know us, get to know the people behind the project. So thank Very you good. for listening. And we'll see you on the next official episode. Yeah, of first we'll dive right in. Yeah, yeah, thank you for everyone for listening. We'll talk to you soon.